Hello everybody and welcome to another one in our series of financial well-being podcasts. My name's David Lloyd and with me I have uh, Chris Budd. Chris, tell us about yourself. Good morning. Um, I run Ovation Finance, financial planning company, um, and wrote the financial well-being book upon which this podcast is based. Nice to see you today, David. Well, it's good to see you too. I am a little bit husky. I've got a bit of cold at the moment. Part of the reason is I went to Glastonbury last uh, weekend. Are you singing along? Uh, I, no, I wasn't actually, but I think my uh, my uh, um, immune system has been slightly uh, attacked <laughs> by the amount of cider that I drank and the lack of sleep that I had. Ab- absolutely fantastic time. It's a wonderful place. Isn't uh, it? It's just a great place. Bit of a bubble. Um, but I had a lovely, lovely few days there. And the best gig? The best, best gig? Well, strangely enough, um, and I am not in his target demographic whatsoever. I love Dizzy Rascal. Absolutely fantastic. Just a field full of young people having a great time. And it reminded me a little bit of punk and the impact of punk mm. back in the 70s. The whole thing was just a really, really yeah. good experience. There's always something to dip in and out of. Indeed. Um, incidentally, thank you for the donuts. Oh, that's okay. Yes, we had donuts today, didn't we? The, um, it reminds me of uh, Fanny Craddock and the famous line that you probably know, um, where she was making ring donuts. Fanny Craddock, for the benefit of Tomo, who's looking mystified at this moment, um, was a, probably the first TV chef. She was the Delia she? Smith of yeah. the 1960s. Okay. Yeah, and she was making, and her husband John used to kind of stand around awkwardly in the background uh, watching her, and she made these ring donuts. And at the end, um, John said, uh, well, thank you all for watching, and may all your donuts turn out like Fanny's. Movies. <laughs> 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 Oh, I love the yeah. fact that that's lasted the test of time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, even to people who've never heard of Fanny Craddock. <laughs> right, moving swiftly on, what are we rabbiting on about today, Chris? OK, so today we're going to have a, a bit of a, a recap of recent podcasts, where we are so far, and um, we've been looking at stuff like uh, well-being from stuff and experiences in previous podcasts, the five steps, philanthropy, how to create more options. We've heard from experts like Carl Richards and Jeff Prestridge, and we've talked to, well, dare I say, more normal people like comedian Ian Moore and ex-Bristol Mayor George Ferguson. So, how, how, how many of these have we done now, Chris? No, about 188. <laughs> this is our 22nd. 22nd? Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And we started off, I remember, was it about a year ago we started about that, off? Yeah. yeah. Sitting in my, uh, my front room. Uh, and uh, not really knowing what we were going to talk about. And nothing's changed. <laughs> <laughs> but we've managed to spin it out, so that's twenty. That's probably about 10 or 11 hours. I'd like to think the on. amount of work and effort I put in is more than spinning it out, thank you very much. <laughs> 11 very well-crafted thank and you. prepared and beautifully detailed scripts that we waffle around. <laughs> so I thought it might be a good idea to just have a bit of a recap of what the hell we're actually talking about. What is a financial plan? What does it look like? What is the finished output that people will end up with if they follow some of the advice and tips that, that they get from this? So before we get into that, um, it's time now to continue with the uh, feature that we introduced in the last podcast, Titas Tomo. Indeed. Uh, if those of you on Twitter, hashtag tight ass Tomo, A-S-S-T-O-M-M-O. Not sure how long we're going to get away with this, but we'll keep going with it for the moment. Yeah, OK, so I've got one here from uh, accountant Della Hudson, at Hudson Accountant. You can rent out a furnished room in your home for up to £7,500 tax-free, or £3,750 if let jointly. So that's a a way of saving a bit of money. Now, interestingly, I can confirm that this is true because I rent out a room in my house 
on Airbnb. There you go. Uh, I believe other similar services are available. Uh, and it's great. And I make a little bit less than that actually in a year. But it's great. And so I have a whole range of new people coming and going. And I just get this drip feed of money that goes into my bank account. The idea of Tight House Tomo as a hashtag originally was um, to get a few light-hearted and a bit of, bit of fun. But actually, we've had some really good tips coming through. So Phil Bray, at PhilBray73, recommends a couple of apps. Toggle, T-O-G-G-L, which allows him to check the hours spent on projects and match estimates and prices quoted. So it sounds like a good one for self-employed people there. And Todoist, T-O-D-O-I-S-T, which I think is just a, a to-do list that helps you manage your to-do list, I suppose. Oh, that's, I might look into those, actually. The first one sounds particularly interesting. I never know what to charge when I'm uh, sometimes doing freelance work and how I can equate the amount of time that I spend. So if that's going to help me do that, I might look into that I've one. I've got a good tip for you on that. An accountant gave a tip to me once many years ago. He said, you should set your level of fees so you get three complaints about them a year. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. A few years ago, I was asked to go, and it's when I was working as stadium announcer at Bristol City, to go and be the stadium announcer at Taunton for Somerset's 2020 games, uh, which was great. I, I was very pleased to be asked. I thought it's a bit of a way. It's an hour's drive down there. It's a the whole day by the time you've driven down there, done the work and come back again. So I tried to work out what I would charge and I went on my basic daily rate, which was several hundred pounds. And there was a sharp intake of breath from the other end. Um, uh, and, and the guy who was, he said, do you negotiate with terrorists? <laughs> I, said, uh, I said, well, no, not really. That's my rate. And he went, well, well, all right then. All right then. So he paid me that, paid me that rate. I did a whole season. Wasn't asked back next year. <laughs> um, so more tweets. Martin Bamford at Martin Bamford points out the expensive branded products. Um, and he cites the, the cost of a traditional safety razor. Versus branded disposable razors. Yeah, now this is, you'll, if you hear a little buzzing, dear listener, it's the bees in my bonnet starting to get going. Oh, God, here we go. <laughs> because I'm not a fan of advertising, as listeners will, regular listeners will know. Um, and I'm particularly not a fan of, of branding where ibuprofen, so Nurofen, which is ibuprofen, is uh, at our local spa £1.30 I think it is non-branded ibuprofen which is exactly the same thing is 38p mm -mm. and the difference in price is all about the advertising on telly I know there's an awful lot of froth out there isn't there but before we go on to that let's hear from the man himself the original tight ass Tomo what's your <laughs> tip for today's podcast well I'm not so sure this is a tip more than a story uh, having a chat with a friend of mine recently told him about this new feature that we have in Tight Ass Tomo and I, I told him about last week's story about me uh, getting the wiggle lap and a cheap lunch but he said I want to show you something Tom so he took me out to his garden and there was this hose hanging out the back of his uh, bathroom his, his first floor bathroom and I was what on earth is that he said he siphons so he's, he's got a young boy he said he siphons the bath water from that and puts it into the garden water but every single evening so there you go and he, I said how much are you saving oh, I don't know about 15p but he said it all adds up so there you go siphon your bath water into your water butts in the garden but you could argue that actually he's not being tight ass there he's being environmentally friendly and recycling his water yeah, so yeah. there you go good for tight him tight ass Tomo environmental 
<laughs> but if he's, I don't know what if his son's having a bath every day, that's 15p per bath, so that is... Quite a lot of... I don't know. That's that's a I'm not a financial it's advisor a or anything. <laughs> it's a pound a week, slightly less. We'll call it a pound. It's 50 quid a year. Exactly. That's not to be sneezed at, is it? it is. There you go. I'm glad you're taking tight last time moves seriously, David. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are we chatting about today, Chris? Okay, today we're going to talk about financial plan and what it might actually look like. What is this thing? We've been talking a lot of theory in recent podcasts, so I thought it was time we got a bit practical. I thought we'd be well placed to discuss this because we make them and you've got one. So we can see both sides of the process. Yes, that's right. From my perspective, I've certainly got one and, and I try and stick to it. Uh, but I know that I had to go and see uh, Ian recently in the office because uh, I was a bit skint. I needed some cash. So we've got this plan for long term development. <laughs> but I said, can I have some of it now, please? And he went, yeah, all right, then. Yeah, we're, we're nice like that. We're very nice like that. Well, it's my money. I should think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> we don't let everybody spend the money that they entrust with us, you know. <laughs> now, the way we do this at Ovation is we produce a financial well-being report. This is just our way of doing it. Other firms have their own version. But I know what I know, so that's what I'm going to tell people about. Um, what does this finished article look like? What is a financial well-being report? Well, it covers the five key elements of financial well-being and what the individual has in place, what the client has in place already to meet these areas, and then what the gap is, what needs to be done to improve them. The main two areas, however, that are really key are objectives which is a bunch of words which summarises what a, per, what a person wants from life. It contains their best guesses, if you like, about a happy future. We'll refer back to a few of the previous podcasts when we, do, when we chat about this, and Carl Richards was, was talking a lot about guesses, so if people want to know what I mean by that, that's the one to go back and listen to. The other main area is their cash flow forecast, which is the chart which assesses the affordability of their dreams and their chosen future, and whether they can be achieved earlier or what changes might need to be made um, it plots a path to that chosen future and I found that particularly interesting when I sat down again with Ian and you've got this piece of software where I have to put in all of my expenditure and the costs and then where I might want to be in the future and actually then when you extrapolate that and look at that um, it was absolutely fascinating to see where I could be or would be financially assuming nothing had changed and assuming certain levels of growth and it, it made me realise I needed to focus in one or two areas uh, slightly longer term just to make sure that I had enough money, assuming I live long enough to be able to spend it. <laughs> it brings it to life, doesn't it? It makes it, it real. It does. It was fascinating. Yeah. And um, listeners can download a spreadsheet from our website, financialwell-being.co.uk. Um, it's a simple form of this cash flow forecast, but it's something for people to get them started. Uh, it's not the sophisticated software that most financial planners will use, but it's it's something to get going. Yeah. And so what uh, once they've done that, um, or even if they don't do that, what, what should they be concentrating on first? Well, that's a bit chicken and egg, that one, because you can't start your journey without knowing your destination. But on the other hand, you can't work out your destination until you know what your budget is. So um, you've got to start somewhere. And I think the answer lies in the fact that we're not trying to create a perfect plan to the ideal future. We're trying to start by having a few guesses, at a few things we'd like from the future, see if they're achievable, and then amend either up or down. So we've been talking 
bit about how to get started and the good and bad decisions that we sometimes make. Are we working from the assumption that perhaps someone's had a bit of a shock, a bit of a kick up the bum and realises that they're now ready to do something about it? Yes, I think so. And um, the last podcast we had with Neil Beige talked about um, doing something, but doing a thought through something. So let's assume that people have listened to all the podcasts up to date and are now ready to say, OK, now just tell me some practical ideas. What are we going to do? So the first practical thing that we need to do is we've got to get the numbers ready. This means getting or guessing the value of your assets and debts. And then something which I really hate telling people to do, but there's no getting around it, getting your bank statements out and going through it. Well, now I did that. It was a few years ago now. And that for me was a real eye opener. I sat and went through my bank statements and looked at where my money was going and 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 I'd always had this rather laissez-faire attitude to money which I kind of still have a little bit <laughs> but but um you know it's there and and because I've never had a guaranteed income that comes in every month it's always been feast or famine for me instinctively I thought I knew that I was juggling it and generally speaking I do but when I sat down and looked at where my money was going and what I was spending money on uh, it was it was a bit of a wake-up call. I also, interestingly enough, and I think other people have had this experience, I found loads of direct debits in there, didn't have a clue what they were for. I thought, what's that? What's that for? What's that for? And I was able to go through and save myself several hundred pounds a year by stopping paying for things that I wasn't using anymore, expired bits of insurance and on something that I'd once bought that I didn't even possess any longer. But even then, just yesterday, um, I got a reminder through saying that I was about to be renewed for another year on a piece of insurance for my tumble dryer that I didn't know I had. And, and what made it even worse is that three months ago, my tumble dryer blew up and I went out and bought another one because I'd forgotten that I had insurance <laughs> on the one that I had. So I forked out 100 quid this last year on insurance on a tumble dryer and not actually used it when it came up, so I've now cancelled that direct debit. And you're talking to somebody who's been through their bank statement. <laughs> exactly, and that was, so I then went through it again, and that was the only one that yeah, was in there, yeah, I'm glad yeah. to say. But we're not necessarily at this stage suggesting that people have to make judgments on their spending at this early stage. That will come, and that, in fact that comes naturally, as you have found. But at the moment, we simply, all we're trying to do is work out how much disposable income people have. So let me explain what I mean by that. A disposable income is the money that you have left after you've spent your money on your happy life. So we've talked about this in previous podcasts. I won't go over it too much, but it's the basics in life that you spend um, and then what you've got left in your bank account. And if you don't have any, then you don't have any. I mean, that's, you know, that, that, that's the deal. Although, generally speaking, you then go through the process you went through and find that you can make some savings and create some disposable income. Okay, so we worked out what our disposable income is and we put those figures into an app or a spreadsheet. Uh, and that's step one done. What's step two? Step two is adding in the future. No, step two is find a girl to love. <laughs> <laughs> what's step three, David? Kiss uh, and hold a tight. Kiss and hold a tight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, are you the shawaddy waddy version there or the... Um, it's the only one I know. Eddie Cochran version. Uh, the original. Is anyone else lost? <laughs> <laughs> so step two is um, adding the future into a spreadsheet or the app, as you say. In simple terms, this is where you take uh, future wedding, car expenditure, things that you know what will happen to the future, 
And you start making a few other, other assumptions as well, what you would like to happen in the future, number of holidays, things that we can have a guess at easily, or perhaps things that are a bit aspirational, like wanting to stop work early, something like that. We can also get an estimate of the state pension. Well, I, how do you do that? Over to our pensions technical specialists. Pretty simple. Go into Google, type state pension checker, and it's all done online now. Yeah, they've actually. You'll need your national insurance number. Uh, national insurance is it's through the government gateway. So if you're familiar with doing your tax return, you already have that ID. Otherwise, it allows you to set up an account. Go in there, national insurance number, and it gives you your forecast and what you've accumulated thus far. So yeah, it's pretty good. It is good. No, I did it myself last year, uh, and uh, and it was pretty straightforward. But again, I do already have the government gateway and the ID because I do my VAT. Is there a youngest age you have to be to do that? State pension forecast? No, I've done it, and I consider my still, myself still young, just. Um, but yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's a, an improvement on the previous you know, paper statement. So you get your state pension forecast, you make a few guesses, you put something that's maybe a bit aspirational about the future, you put all of this in, and you press the button, and you see if that future that you would like, whether you could afford it or not. Yes, that's a, a significant moment, isn't it, really, when you've worked all that out? And I was used to go back to my previous conversation, was was reassured to discover that I have got enough money to have an affordable future, though, though perhaps not as luxurious a one as I don't, <laughs> but certainly a pretty good one. So there's going to be one or two results, isn't there? Either, yes, you can afford it, in which case, great. In fact, what we do quite often find with clients of ours at Ovation, that people actually have more money than they realise because they haven't done this planning. They've just been putting as much away as they can. Um, and maybe if they have a public sector pension paying out or something along those lines, they quite often have more than they realise. And a lot of our job is helping people to spend that money, which is quite nice. So what do people generally tend to spend it on, then, in your experience? Almost always the first thing is travel, which is really interesting. Uh, it might be bringing your retirement earlier a bit, possibly. To enable you to travel more. Well, exactly, yes, yes. And so there's a kind of a, a number of factors that need to come in together. Or you can't afford it, in which case you go back and do what we were talking about earlier. Go back to your spending and try and increase that disposable income so that you can save a bit more. Yeah, I've certainly found that, I mean, we were talking about my Airbnb, and that came from having dropped one of the jobs that I do a year or so ago, which was bringing in a steady income, but I was finding it very, very stressful. So I knew that for my own physical well-being rather than financial well-being I needed to stop doing that however that had a financial impact on my life so I thought what else can I do to replace that money but in a way that makes me feel better about myself I've also done a little bit of tutoring oh here's my news actually that I've recently been appointed a fellow of the Royal Literary Fund wow and I will be as of September this year going into Bristol University uh, working as a mentor helping young people to improve their writing skills. Fantastic. So that... You do that for middle-aged people as well. <laughs> so that, allied with my Airbnb money um, and a little bit of tutoring money, pretty much replaces the money that I was earning at Aston Gate. But actually, doing something that I think I'm pretty good at, which is helping to impart my knowledge to, to younger people. And all of that has happened because you engaged with your finances. Exactly. So I realised what I needed. I realised I needed to get rid of a, a one income stream, but also knew that I needed to replace it. I couldn't just stop doing that and then not do anything else. But because I now know myself a bit better, because of a lot of the work that we've done, and also just because I'm a bit older and hopefully a bit wiser, 
I've been able to replace it with something that makes me feel good. It, know thyself, the underlying principle to all that we're talking about. Mm. Another thing that a lot of people do when um, they conclude they've got more money than they realised, in a way, this is the entire point of this financial wellbeing book, is to how to spend your money to make yourself happier. I mean, that could be the, the you know the strap line. And philanthropy, which we looked at in podcasts 12 and 13, if people want to go back and have a listen to those. One of the catchphrases throughout the book is, financial planning is very simple, you work out what you want from life, and then you spend your money on that. Trouble is working out what you want, is not that easy without knowing whether you can afford it or not. So step three is to go back to the beginning and start all over again. Except you've done the hard work with your bank account, but now you know what's achievable. Once you go through the process again, you can start to refine and refine. And you may remember, David, in episode 18, we talked about how to get help with your finances. And I would actually say that if anybody is engaged with a financial advisor, um, who isn't sitting down with them on at least an annual basis, then maybe they haven't got a financial advisor that is really looking at their financial plan and their future. And, and actually, and I have come to rely on and actually look forward to uh, the annual reviews that I have with you or with Ian or whoever it might be in your office, because it's an opportunity for me to either confirm my assumptions about where I am financially or sometimes to have them challenged and to say, oh, actually, I haven't got as much money as I thought to do that particular thing with. Or sometimes, oh, I've got a little bit more money than I thought I had. And so those annual reviews become very, very important. And just give me that peace of mind to know that, that at least for the next year, until we sit down and look at it again, I'm heading in the right direction. And I would even go so far as to say that I don't think it's possible to construct a really meaningful financial plan on your own. A lot of people listening to this podcast will be DIY investors. So I'm not talking about investment necessarily. I'm talking about the financial planning part because you can't challenge your own assumptions. You need somebody else to come along and challenge you. Uh, taking it slightly further, if you're going to use somebody, I would suggest you use somebody who's got some financial coaching skills to be able to challenge you in a meaningful way based upon your values. Funnily enough, listen, doing this podcast over this has kind of ruined my life a little bit as well, <laughs> because I use a financial advisor, I engage somebody else as my financial planner, and since going through the process myself, I find it quite hard to go shopping. I used to buy quite a lot of art books. You can see loads of them sitting behind me. And I realise how often do I actually get those art books down and look at them? Very rarely. So I haven't bought one for absolutely ages. And I used to quite enjoy that. <laughs> yes, it's interesting. Retail therapy used to be a big thing for me. But I realised that I would do it... Um, but I would only ever do it when I had the money. That was the first thing. I would never just go out and spend if I didn't have the money. But I, quite often I found if I was a bit bored or a bit fed up and I'd got a bit of money I would just go and buy some stuff because that made me feel better but it made me feel better for that instant that I was buying the stuff but then like you that would be it would be books or it would be CDs clothes and all of those things have a function but after a while I've been trying to declutter my house a bit recently and you realize that you accumulate an awful lot of junk agreed um, so once people have gone through this process what they'll end up with is a list of basic assumptions that they've made about their future. They'll have some words which will elucidate what they would like their future to look like, objectives, motivations, not goals. We've talked about that in previous podcasts. Goals are too finite, so objectives and motivations. Um, and they'll have some numbers which will show that that future that they have constructed is possible. 
Um, if those numbers show that the future isn't possible, then it's not working and you need to revisit that plan and make some changes until it is. This will include some specifics, for example, monthly saving amount, and uh, maybe you've just cancelled a few direct debits as you've, as you've been through, and, and you then do something with those savings and put them away towards that future. And that means you now have some decisions, some rules in place that enable you to get to that future. And that is a really, really interesting area that we're going to come on to in a future podcast uh, with behavioural economist Greg Davis, who talks about, is going to talk about putting in rules uh, to make decisions in the future, uh, and that will link in very nicely with all that we've been talking about today. So it is important to sum all of that up that although we make plans, which are very important, that we have to be continually reviewing them, making sure they still suit our current needs, accepting that our objectives and needs may well change. Uh, we've talked about this in a past podcast. You set an objective for five years' time, and in five years' time you get there and realise that that thing you were heading towards doesn't mean the same to you as it did five years ago. Accepting that that's okay, putting aside those preconceptions about what's best for you, adapting, reviewing, and move on. Brilliantly summarised. Would you like a job? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Okay, so that's been an interesting little uh, catch-up on where we've been at in what is now our 22nd podcast. We hope, as ever, that you've enjoyed it. We look forward to your comments, uh, and we'll be back with you. So, Tomo, the producer, Chris Budd, myself, David Lloyd. We'll see you next time for another Financial Wellbeing podcast. If you want to be notified of upcoming podcasts, make sure you click the subscribe button. For more information on the topics discussed in today's podcast and to purchase a copy of the Financial Wellbeing book, please visit www.financialwell-being.co.uk. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas on financial well-being. You can send us an email at contact at financialwell-being.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at FinWellBeing. Chris is Ovation Chris and David is at Dave underscore Backwell. This has been an Ovation Finance production. Thanks for listening to the Financial Wellbeing Podcast. More interesting than you might think. Money, so they say, is the root of all evil today. But if you ask for a rise, it's no surprise they're giving none away.